This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey kids, I'd like to introduce you to a new podcast you're going to love. On behalf of myself, Morgan Rector, of one of the most horrific true crime podcasts, Human Monsters, I'd like to ask you this question. Do you like to travel? Do you like picturesque locations and getting away from it all? Fun fact, there is a morgue on every cruise ship. After all, people die everywhere. Why wouldn't they die on a cruise ship in the Bahamas? Well, this new podcast has all that and murder. Murder. It's called Slaycation, and it's a darkly humorous look at murders and mysterious deaths that took place on vacation. Hosted by true crime fanatic, her comedy writer husband, and his TV producing partner, Slaycation brings a unique perspective to chilling, thrilling, and what-the-fuck stories of vacations gone horribly wrong. From the twisted tale of Harold and Tony Henthorne, whose romantic anniversary in the Rocky Mountains ended with one of them falling off a cliff, to Angelica and Vincent, two recently engaged lovebirds whose Hudson Valley kayaking adventure ended underwater, Each episode of Slaycation will have you asking, accident or murder? But it's not just the stories that'll intrigue you. It's the discussion between a longtime married couple and business partners who happen to be Emmy-nominated TV producers. Each episode of Slaycation also includes humor, takeaway, and travel tips that will keep your next vacation from being your last. If you're ready to pack your body bags, Slaycation is available on all major podcast platforms. Search for Slaycation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. People were actively abusing children and producing pictures for others in the club, people like you. That's, that's not true. They weren't producing them for others. But children were being abused to provide images. There, there were some children... We, we, didn't see, we just didn't see it as abuse. We saw it as there were some children involved in relationships. But the idea that children could possibly want sex 
is totally abhorrent to everybody. Not to us. Why would you abuse an 18-month-old child? Well, for a start, I didn't. And well, that's not true, is it? It is true. No, I'm sorry, you're wrong. Oh, I'm sorry. How old was she? Huh? How old was she, Peter? You are confusing um, different things. I don't want to get into that. How old was she? Huh? How old was she? I don't want to get into any of that yet. No, OK. Whether that child was 18 months, mm. two years, three years, mm. or perhaps we're mixing it up with a nine-year-old child mm. or an 11-year-old girl, mm. 12-year-old girl. Mm. You've done it to all of them, haven't you? All right, I will go back to this now. No comment. It's the coward's way out, isn't it? It's the realistic way out. Welcome to Human Monsters. Before I begin this episode, I must issue a warning. The content is some of the most disturbing yet covered by this podcast. It describes the activities of people who abduct, sexually abuse, torture, and even murder children. This material promises to be highly disturbing to sensitive individuals. Listener discretion is advised. This episode focuses on hurt core, a form of extreme pornography. It is also about the people who facilitate and produce it. Hurt core typically consists of the infliction of torture, degrading physical, emotional, and sexual violence, and pedophilia. For some of its most overzealous consumers, a hurt core snuff film, a video depicting the rape and murder of a child, is the elusive and highly sought after holy grail of hurt core. Consent never factors into the production of hurt core materials. Etymology Hurt core is a portmanteau of hardcore and hurt. Dark web Hurt core, along with other genres of child pornography, is offered within the domain of the dark web. The dark web exists on dark nets, overlaid networks that use the internet without making its content discoverable by the general public within the rubric of a search engine. Some of the most popular networks within the dark web include Tor, Freenet, I2P, and Riffle. They are run by public organizations. As a marketplace, it is not exclusive to child pornography. Drug dealers, arms dealers, terrorist organizations, and other groups wishing to operate, usually for profit, illicit business operations without attracting attention from law enforcement agencies, often turn to the dark web to do their business. Some areas of the dark web require the use of specific software configurations. Some areas of the dark web require the use of specific software configurations or authorization to access. Other criteria may be required. For example, in many child porn circles, for example, in many child porn circles, admission may only be granted if the interested party can prove they have child pornography of their own. The people who own and manage dark websites are well aware of the efforts of law enforcement to infiltrate their world and prosecute all parties involved. Due to this, most members and staff are wary of outsiders. Software like Tor acts as a cloak of invisibility on the internet. One can browse any site and no interloper can track their activities. Because the information at these sites is so heavily encrypted, 
the geographic location and identity of the proprietor is nearly impossible to obtain. Notable producers of Hurtcore Matthew Falder Matthew Falder is an English sex offender. He was charged and convicted for creating and distributing Hurtcore content. His crimes In 2013, a 15-year-old girl only known by the alias of Victim 5 placed an ad on Gumtree, a free internet-based classified site. Her intention by taking this action was to purchase a dog. She was puzzled and disturbed by one of the emails she received. The respondent claimed to be a woman named Liz and an artist. She vowed to buy a dog for the girl. What she required as payment was a topless selfie from her to be used as a model for a charcoal drawing. They continued their dialogue through email. Throughout their communications, the girl disclosed the private pain she had been suffering through. At the time, she was in foster care and a target for bullies. She also mentioned that she had a younger brother she loved very much. She spotted a dog she liked. The dog's price was 275 pounds. Liz repeated her promise that she would buy it for her, provided that she receives the topless photo. She also promised that, quote, absolutely nobody besides myself would ever see it, unquote. The girl obliged and sent the photo Liz requested. After this, Liz's tone changed significantly. Her disposition became abusive. Liz demanded more photos and threatened to send the first one to her bullies if she did not comply. Victim 5 sent more photos, but it was never enough to satisfy Liz. The more she sent, the more abusive and threatening Liz became. The instructions she gave for the photos became more explicit. Reading Victim 5, The Riot Act, Liz wrote, I will do everything I can to make your life awful. She told Victim 5 she would mail the photos to everyone on her street and school. She threatened to contact social services and arranged to have her brother taken away and placed in a home for disabled children. These actions would serve as retaliation for any reluctance or refusal on Victim 5's part to pose naked in degrading positions for Liz. She was also ordered to hold up signs bearing messages, such as, I am a slut, and I look after my disabled brother, and now I am being forced to strip. At one point, this all became too much for Victim 5 to bear, and she told Liz she wanted to commit suicide. Her appeals for clemency fell on deaf ears. Liz only demanded more pornographic photos. Victim 5 was hospitalized after an overdose on an unnamed substance. Meanwhile, the presence identifying as Liz blackmailed other young girls. One example was a schoolgirl who was forced to record a video of herself eating dog food while naked on the floor. In another photo, she licked a soiled toilet brush and a used tampon. There were other photos wherein the girl spread her legs apart, exposing her genitalia and held up a handwritten sign that said, I hate niggers. As if Liz's behavior wasn't disturbing enough to these girls, her real identity would be even more chilling. Instead of a fellow teenage girl, it was actually Matthew Falder. He was a graduate of Cambridge University and in his mid-twenties. He led a double life. He researched 
geophysics for a living, hung out with his university friends, and spent time with his girlfriend. Outside of these activities, he used encrypted email addresses to blackmail girls into taking video and stills of themselves, performing acts that left them feeling humiliated and degraded. He would, in turn, disseminate the images in the dark web. Nothing satisfied Matthew Falder carnally more than seeing children suffer. To quote the prosecution at his trial, Falder treated his victims, quote, both as sex objects and as objects of derision. The content he favored the most on the dark web as a consumer featured children in positions of degradation and or pain. One of his favorite extreme porn forums was called 100 Things We Want to See At Least Once. One of his contributions to this thread was a young girl being used as a dartboard, a video depicting a child's bones being slowly and deliberately broken, and the abuse of a paralyzed child. Falder joked with the detectives who arrested him in June 2017, saying the charges sounded like, quote, the rap sheet from hell. He was sentenced to 32 years in prison. He confessed culpability for over 100 offenses between 2009 and 2017. His online crimes involved people who ranged in age between their early teens to their 30s. Whatever appeal his attorney made in an effort to rehabilitate his image and reduce his prison sentence, it wasn't enough to convince the judge. Judge Philip Parker described Falder's crimes as, quote, a tale of ever-increasing depravity. You wanted to assume total control over your victims. Your behavior was cunning, persistent, manipulative, and cruel. It was the first successful prosecution in the United Kingdom's legal history for crimes linked to hurt core. British police became alerted to Falder's presence and activities during his involvement with a website called Hurt to the Core. He was alternately known by usernames such as In the Garden, 666 Devil, and Evil Mind. The investigation was conducted in 2013. At the time, Hurt to the Core was the most notorious Hurt Core site in the world. Membership numbered in the thousands. Hundreds of them distributed child porn images. Falder participated in many chat forums on the site. Examples of discussion topics. Producing kitty porn for dummies. Toddler child porn star. Three men and a baby. Butchered bitches. Youngins bound. Crying rape. Falder created a thread called Need Ideas for Blackmailed Girl. It was always where he posted images and videos that were sent to him by his blackmail victims. He took pride in crafting an image of himself as the, quote, original blackmailer. Matthew Lux Graham. Matthew Graham, known alternately as Lux and King of Hurtcore, was the mastermind behind Hurt to the Core. At the time of his arrest in 2014, he was found by police to be a 22-year-old nanotechnology student. He ran Hurt to the Core and other Hurt Core sites as part of his, quote, pedo empire in his bedroom at his parents' house in suburban Melbourne, Australia. Headings on Hurt to the Core include Child Sex and Prostitution, Where and How to Find Kids to Have Sex With, 
links, guides, and security. Everything you need to keep you safe and well-informed in the pedo world. Boy pictures. Pictures of delicious little boys. Girl pictures. Pictures of yummy little girls. Adult. Pictures of 18-plus pornography, as well as gore and torture. Boy videos. Videos of sexy little boys. Graham confessed to encouraging a Russian pedophile to kidnap, rape, torture, and murder a five-year-old girl. Nobody has been able to confirm if the party in question followed through with the plan. Graham also shared a video whose content was so dark and disturbing that many assumed that it was an urban myth. They felt it was impossible for such a heinous crime to have been committed, let alone photographed. The video is entitled, Daisy's Destruction. It consists of an 18-month-old girl who screams as she is tied up by her legs. As she hangs, she is subjected to beatings, rapes, and other forms of torture by a woman concealing her identity by wearing a mask. The film was sold to pedophiles and hurt core enthusiasts in the dark web for $10,000 each. In the name of freedom, as he put it, Graham obtained the video and made it available on Hurt to the Core for free. His reflection on the experience. At first I felt ashamed in myself for being attracted to such a thing. But as time went on, I slowly grew more accepting of myself. It wasn't until I came across the Torpedo community that I was able to truly feel comfortable with attractions. Graham was sentenced to 15 years in prison in 2016. The judge referred to his crimes as, quote, pure evil. Peter Scully. Though he denies it, Peter Scully is accused of making the Daisy's Destruction video with his assistant, Liesel Margallo. The video was made in the Philippines, and it is there where he is imprisoned after being convicted of child murder, torture, abuse, and the production of child pornography. It is not just for Daisy's destruction, but for other videos he made for his production company called No Limits Fun. The tagline for Daisy's destruction was, Watch Daisy's mental ruin as she learns how to please her mistress. There are two other girls in the Daisy's destruction video. A girl named Liza sustained permanent injuries, but survived the ordeal. 11-year-old Cindy was murdered allegedly by Scully. She was raped, tortured, and forced to dig her own grave before being strangled to death with a rope. He offered a pay-per-view video streaming service online for pedophiles so that they could watch children being sexually abused and tortured in real time. The victims were signed over to Scully by their parents because they were among the most impoverished members of the Philippine population, and he offered to feed, clothe, house, and educate the children. His girlfriends and assistants also participated in the abuse and solicitation of the children. The consequences Matthew Graham, Matthew Falder, and Peter Scully face for their crimes are well-deserved, but it has not been enough to vanquish the problem overall. Dark web sites similar to Hurt to the Core continue to pop up, and they are run by people who are just as diabolical as the aforementioned individuals. The technology that makes their sites difficult to discover and infiltrate continues to evolve and increase in complexity. In other words, there is no proverbial trail of breadcrumbs to find, 
In pursuit of the purveyors of hurtcore content, law enforcement continues to shoot into the dark. Evil BB. Evil BB was a website that gave advice to fellow pedophiles on how to abduct and torture children within the framework of sexual abuse and the production of child pornography. The following are some samples of such advice. Topic: Mistakes to avoid on your first kidnapping. Wearing a mask to kidnap risks drawing attention from every possible witness in area. A man walking to a girl is normal. A masked man walking to a girl is a kidnapping in progress. Simple alterations of appearance only needed. Don't use duct tape. It captures trace evidence. It has properties can be used to identify brand then selling location and time of sale. The glue from the duct tape stuck on the skin can trap your own hair and skin on it. Use a pillowcase for a hood with a zip tie. Don't use anything sticky. Sticky items capture trace evidence. Always restrain your victim. Practice using zip ties. You do not want to risk your victim escaping once she is captured by you. Chemicals will take time to work and are only effective when exact factors body weight, allergies, dosage can be properly administered, risk damage or death if used careless. Intimidation plus quick coercive force best. The use of drugs talks more to your own feelings of inadequacy at controlling the situation. Kidnap is a possible violent confrontational and if this intimidates you, then only keep imagining. Topic. Topic. Buy rent. Child safe verification for sex tourist. A proposal for verification for buyer and seller for sex tourism. Buyer contacts seller with information. 1. Buyer name he will use for contact. Not his real name. Made up one. This in addition to his first contact screen name. Number 2. A simple sex act with sex explicit message written in verification photo of potential entertainment. Number 3. Travel dates and price range for tourism packages. Example. Dirt Love from Evil BB Contacts Philippine Sex Guide in message. Hi. PH Sex, Philip here, interested in tour with your sexy friends. Travel there, 6 7 19 6 18 19. That's a date. In greeting photo, I like to see a girl about 7 suck dildo with message, quote, sexy dirt love, Philip, I want your cock, unquote. Looking to spend 500 to $800. Topic Stabbing. Stabbing is a good form of torture when applied under total control of the victim. She must be bound. She needs to be very immobilized so you can enjoy the experience. Otherwise, it struggles for both and exhausting. Since this would be in a place where you designate as the play zone, zip ties or handcuffs and leg cuffs can be used. Rope only if you know your knots. Duct tape for such heavy activity is not recommended. Sweat and struggling deteriorate its effectiveness with each passing second. Start with pinpricks, light blade tracing barely breaking skin, then shallow stabs and cuts. Anything deeper and you risk things going to quick. 
anything deeper and you risk things going too quick. There's not really a way to medium stab, so once it progresses to it, then the end is near. Study her face, her eyes, enjoy her moans and screams. Don't rush. You can use salt or other irritants for added pleasure. When crime stories are reported, many times the story is filled with how brutal the victim was stabbed dozens of times. Reader thinks the killer was brutal, but that might really mean it was a sloppy, near-out-of-control event. Most stabs in these cases are shallow and not a good bringer of death. Lots of screaming and chasing around causing commotion, which might alert others. The other risk of a wild stabbing is stabbing yourself by accident or lose control of knife and it is used against you. Then you the one in need of help. No good. Stabbing should be by surprise and directed toward vital areas like throat, angled diagonal in between the collarbone, driving knife deep, or kidneys, driving knife deep, then ripping it across the body, but keeping the blade sunken. The wound channel is to be wide and deep. The frequent mistake of stabbing is pulling out too fast and not driving the knife deep and using the blade to tear open the wound. Even if you stab the thigh, if you drive and rip enough, you will hit the femoral artery. The side below the armpit gives opportunity for lung puncture. A different technique is grab your victim and throat from behind. Automatic responses is to push head down to fight off the choke. This exposes the base of the skull for the killer stab. Feel the center back of your skull, then move down to this soft notch below the curve of skull which is the target. Squeeze hard enough to make her choke, but then move your hand out of the way or risk stabbing yourself when driving the knife in with full force. You could grab the upper back of her skull, pressing it forward before you stab deep. If you skip the choke, she might spin around before you have the chance to kill or stab her. Choice of knife for a killing should be thick, sharp, heavy blade, like butcher knife. A common knife is best if you do not plan to dispose of the body. Knives with unique features can be traced down to specific models. Topic: Jailbait Rape World a difference between child porn with family and world a difference between world of difference between child pornography with family and film kidnap and rape a stranger. Make movie as hard alone and kidnap, rape action planning is needed. A place to do it and lighting is important too. With all this effort, most people want something for which it stays in private exchange and not released free. Topic: Raping 7-9 to nine year old girl must be best fun. Golden ages, any in single number ages. Those are the only ones adults watch out for. Makes them prized. Garret her until she turns many colors, then let her recover for more reps. Topic: Long-term kidnapping, abduction. Long-term storage should always be thought of as only this long-term storage. She's not a girlfriend, she's not your common-law wife, she is only your kidnapped victim, and you should always respect this reality. Take out, play, put back away, securely. Treat her as an exotic and dangerous pet. Never want her to have the opportunity to hurt you. 
as the nuts and bolts of the relation, a room or a large closet dedicated for her long-term storage will be needed. A hidden room in a basement or a walk-in closet on the upper floor can do. Within the storage room should be her cage. Cage can be bought or made. It should be locked when she is in it. She should be bound at all times inside the cage. Example is hog tie and zip ties. Cloth in mouth to gag securely with zip tie. Mittens on hands, blindfold if desired, then wrapped in thick sleeping bag. The cage bars and floor can be padded so loud noise is not possible. Topic. Extreme rape torture method. Hold family hostage. Kill members unneeded for desires. Kidnap mom, youngest prettiest child, and her favorite pet. Convince child only path to saving her mom is to sexually abuse her loving pet to death while her mom watches. Then, after pet dies, have the child sexually molest and rape her mom. Keep making the child perform until she grows to enjoy it. Then the mom will break and kill her own child. Now drug the mom and convince her the only means of leaving is necrophilia on the corpses of her child and pet. Topic. Small guide for kidnapping. A note on burning evidence. Unless burning the crime scene itself, like her home or the place of play that you do not have total control over, it is best not to burn anything. Smoke attracts attention, and burning anything thicker than paper takes time. The longer it takes, the more it may be noticed. It is more discreet to use the appropriate cleaning chemicals, then dump the sanitized items in several different public heavily used dumpsters in an unrelated town or city. Tools. Do not use duct tape. Duct tape is a magnet for trace evidence like skin, hair, and fiber, including the negatives already mentioned, fingerprint capture, and glue signature. Duct tape is only for use during play and should be removed before the body is cleaned. It should be carefully discarded separately with other incriminating items, like rope. Rope also can attract trace evidence and requires a good technical level to be effective in a short and frenetic situation such as a kidnapping. Chloroform takes 6 to 10 minutes to work. That means 6 to 10 minutes of struggling with a person fighting for her life, which is an eternity. The chemical odor is sharp and it can also burn the skin, making a discreet situation far from it if encountered. Decisive strong course of action increased with brute force, if necessary, is better. Confession Posts Confession posts exist on dark web child pornography sites, especially in hurt core circles, for members to confess their crimes and fantasies. The following is a recording of a confession from an individual who claims to have raped his young daughter to get revenge on his ex-wife following a divorce. Title, A Child of Divorce Daddy Don posting about hitting my eight-year-old daughter to get back at my bitch ex-wife. She wanted a divorce, so I took her daughter and left her. Slag will not be paid child support. We moved far away to a large city. First night I started off as a nice and good daddy. Good meal and ice cream dessert. My daughter smiled for the first time since we left home. 
which gave me a rigid hard on. I smiled back then smacked her chubby face sending the runt cunt flying into the wall. She passed out giving me time to set up the minicam. I woke her up by ripping off her t-shirt and her tan clothed shorts, stripping her naked except for her white socks. Forcing her onto her belly, I bound her wrists with twine, flipped her onto her back as she hysterically cried like a little bitch, fuck so I shoved her powder blue panties into her mouth. I looped twine around each ankle then yanked hard, cracking her hips to secure her feet behind her stupid blonde head. The camera zoom focused on her spread, dry her face partially obscured by her panties. I took six thick upholstery needles out and shoved them into her. I pulled her gag out and listened to her spit and splutter. Daddy, no, 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 please don't, Daddy, don't, I love you. Shoving the panties back in place, I roughly spread her c open. I impaled her puffy lips three times on each side, driving the heavy needles deep into her thighs. And I jerked off spring all over her bloody thighs, its salty nesting and badly causing her sore hips to buck wildly. I shut the camera off and bent down beside her cherry red screaming face, my wide hand covering her mouth, thumb and forefinger pinching her nose shut. Her pale green eyes saucer wide as she struggled for breath. My little asthmatic plummeted into a frantic tailspin of an attack, so I shoved the inhaler into her mouth and begun the process of calming her down. I reviewed the footage and it looked good. I will post some screen caps for interested traders. I don't plan on selling the clip but make an offer if you think it's worth my time. My new sub-daughter and her dad might make more videos, but for now this will be the only video available. One day I will send pictures of our daughter's torment to my pig ex-wife. Sub-daughter will be naked wearing only her spiked black leather collar. Her body covered in fat worm-like welts after she's been beaten by various studded paddles and rubber hoses, double-end dildos stuffed in both holes. I wish I could hear her mom's wails as she first sees the broken petals of her precious little flower. A survivor's story. Clearly none of the people who consume and or produce child pornography ever take into account how their pursuits affect the children. The following is an autobiographical account of one person's journey from child victim to adult survivor. It started when I was five. My parents had split, one found a new partner, and with that new partner came a whole new family. New cousins, new aunts, new uncles. I thought it was cool. I'd never had a family around me other than my mom and dad before so it wasn't hard for them to gain my affection and trust, and for the most part, that was okay. But one of those new members had intentions I could, never could have prepared myself for, or foreseen. I'm just going to call him B for privacy reasons. To me, B was the coolest guy ever. 
He played games with me all the time. He'd spin me in the air and give me cool toys. When he'd babysit me, he'd let me have whatever I wanted. For a while, he had me convinced he was the one who cared about me the most. And when I turned six, some things changed. That's when he began the abuse. After a year of gaining my love, he lived right next door, so he babysat me all the time. It started off innocently enough, I guess. Games that he told me involved undressing, but it was okay because he was family. But that undressing turned into touching, and that touching turned into a whole lot more later on. I don't remember any exact timelines of this, just the general basis of what happened. But I know it wasn't long after those games started that he began having me watch porn with him. Adult porn, child porn, and bestiality porn. Gradually, hurt core porn made its way into the mix. I remember feeling nothing but fear. He was already regularly having sex with me and recording it. Who was to say he wasn't going to try and hurt me like this too? He never did. I think that's only because he knew someone would find out if he did. But he had so many of those videos, kids, younger and older than I was at the time, having bones broken and cigarettes put out on their genitals, imagery too graphic for me to ever forget. But he loved it. Sometimes I would cry and he'd hold me and remind me it was just a game, right? The softboard porn was a way to train me on how to act, so he could record me and make sure people would think it was pretty enough. And the bestiality porn was to show me other people did it too. So I wasn't as grossed out by what he made me do with his dogs. This cycle carried on for just over a year. I was seven when it stopped because he had to move away. And it broke my heart. Despite the abuse he put me through, he had really convinced me he loved me. And that sexual tension was necessary. I developed hypersexual tendencies at age seven because of him. So I turned to the internet, finding anyone who would give me that attention. I referred to B as my boyfriend to everyone, including family, who just laughed it off as cute behavior. Online, I'd use sites like Omegle and apps like Kick to talk to pedophiles because they gave me the same praise B had. It wasn't until I was 10 or so that trauma really set in when I started understanding that what he had done to me was abuse, and with that understanding that I had been abused and couldn't tell anyone, came a plethora of behavioral issues. I started having nightmares. I couldn't go out in public for years without looking at every single adult and every single child and wondering how many of them were pedophiles, how many of the kids I walked past every day are being abused. I still struggle with those thoughts pretty frequently today. And the nightmares were of oftentimes about those kids in the porn he made me watch. It made me so angry. I wanted to go rescue those kids and I couldn't. I had absolutely no way to know if they were okay now or not. I struggled and continue to struggle with hypersexuality. But it was extra hard from 10 to 14 or so. Because anytime anyone touched me, even just for a hug, I would hit them and scream and cry. I threatened suicide a lot over that time, started self-harming at 10, and still struggle sometimes. And occasionally, those suicidal thoughts were accompanied by homicidal thoughts. I caused my parents 
so much distress, constantly had behavior issues, and they had absolutely no idea why. And I never told them, not until I was 15 and in therapy. Which brings me to now, three years after anyone else found out. B went to prison when I was 13, not for anything he did to me, though. He only got five years for possession of a fuck ton of child porn, none of which had my face. He gets out this year. I struggle still with self-harm, suicidal thoughts, homicidal thoughts, hypersexuality, PTSD, and a whole lot more. I worry for every kid I meet, hoping that they'll never experience anything I did. My loss of innocence left me with a fear of growing up because I didn't get to experience most of my childhood, and now I never will. I also struggle very, very heavily with the fact my abuse is still out there in the form of child porn. Those photos and videos he sent of me to other pedos are probably still being distributed. People still have them. People are still using them to get more kids abused. It makes me feel guilty. I know it's not my fault, but it's still my body being used to get more kids hurt. That is going to live with me forever. My day-to-day -day life is changed for the rest of my life now. It doesn't help. The amount of people who throw the, quote, you're a boy, boys don't get raped, unquote, or the more common, huh, so that's why you're gay, you must have liked it then. I save that for the end so you do have to hear the rest first. I've found that most people will read through that piece assuming I'm a girl. And if they know I'm a boy beforehand, they take my story less seriously. I'm telling my story here in hopes of helping someone like me. It goes without saying that the people who produce, consume, and distribute child pornography define the term human monsters. As the technology of computers and the internet becomes more and more advanced, law enforcement struggles to catch up with pedophiles. Let's hope that the technology brings a new dog to the fight. One with a nose for needles and haystacks. Thank you for listening to Human Monsters. This is Morgan Rector. Bye for now. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.